In today's episode, we're going to talk about flipping, flipping houses for fun and profit. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back. Episode 101, the next century of episodes. The next 100 episodes are now officially on the books and started down that path. So hope you're having a wonderful day. First of all, I want to thank everybody for all your uh, wonderful notes and reviews and kind words and wonderful feedback about the first 100 episodes. And the 100th episode was a was a fun little inspiring look. We clipped together a whole bunch of inspirational clips from a few of the selected um, first episodes. And I just, uh, I had a fun time putting it together. And I hope you had a fun time enjoying it. The intention of that one was to potentially come back to it often, come back to it to get a little bit more, some fire and get some more inspiration on your journey as a success real estate investor, and more importantly, a successful human being in whatever you endeavor, just living an intentional, purposeful life. Okay, so episode 101. This was a fun one. Fun from a standpoint is we had an awful lot of fun with some technical snafus. <laughs> we had, you know, computers running out of power. We had internet connections dropping. We had uh, some serious crackling noise on microphones. We had to swap computers a couple times. Uh, we had some video challenges. We had lots of challenges on this. And I think we had to, you know, something that probably should have took about an hour and 20 to an hour and 30 took us probably almost three hours to get her done. But we stuck with it. We got her done. And uh, a quick thank you to Dave and the team, uh, the engineers and the producers of stitching this together in a, in a really good format and uh, making it sound really good. So, you know, there might be a couple parts, especially during the beginning of the conversation where it was, you know, the audio was a little iffy. Manny had a had a challenge with the microphone. We were using kind of an uh, external microphone or, you know, the computer microphone, which isn't that great. So, you know what? I think it came out pretty good, and I was really happy with uh, the team and what they pulled together. So they've the nimble fingers of the producers and all the engineers and getting a, a good product together. They did an amazing job. So just wanted to thank them for that. So what we're going to talk on this episode is all about flipping properties. We're going to talk to a person that is doing this full-time, somebody who's in the business full-time, and their full-time business is flipping houses. So we talked an awful lot. We went into a couple examples. We went into some case studies, and holy moly, this was, you know, sometimes people said, well, you just cherry-picked a case study. Well, potentially, I guess we did cherry-pick a case study, but the one we cherry-picked was the most recent, and... Um, he has some that have done less and some that have done more. And, and, you know, I think he shares on the on the episode, he's got eight active flip projects on the go right now. But just wait until you hear some of the numbers that are in this. So if any of you are ever thinking about, is this flipping business lucrative? Uh, pay attention towards the end of this, where we actually dive deep into some numbers. And Manny breaks it right down. He breaks it down into the actual numbers, right? Oh, not down to the penny. Well, I think he did in one case, he broke it down to the penny almost. But we talked an awful lot about a case study. We talked a lot about the marketing. 
how do you market to get homeowners that with houses that for sale to contact you? We talked about the purchasing strategies. How do you purchase? We even did in some like some role play and some fun things like that. We talked about the financing. We went into depth and in how he works with his private lenders, how what he offers, how he structures all his deals. We talked into a lot about the the rental work. Now, arguably speaking, the rental work the scheduling the team, the building your team, the contractors, all that could be in another an entire podcast in and of itself. And if you'd like for Manny and I to dive deeper into that whole world about, you know, working with renovators and working with contractors and building your team and how do you do all that, let us know. Let me know by putting some feedback in the comments or leaving a review and I'll contact Manny and we'll dive deeper into that topic. You know, we talked a lot about some pitfalls. We talked about selling. We talked about the strategies on, you know, getting your offers accepted. We talked about different things about wholesaling and flipping and some of the mistakes people are making. And, you know, but the main thing we really did was we dove into a case study towards the end. And it was incredible. Like this is um, one of those... um, episodes that you will get a tremendous amount from, from an education standpoint, not only from just the entertainment of listening to veteran real estate investors just having a wonderful conversation about real estate, but this will be a deep education one for you as well. And by all means, let me know if you're interested in getting some more resources and more information about this, and maybe I will find either some other people or maybe Manny and I will come up with some more product or more training materials for you uh, with regards to flipping. Okay, so with all that being said, you know what? Let's just get right after it. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. Manny Cabral. Manny, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the show today. How, how the heck are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Russell. Thank you. It's great to see you and talk with you. It's been a while since we've actually seen each other in person. I, I think it was at uh, one of Irwin's events that we last seen each other. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. I remember the first time we met, and I think that was at, uh, I, I think we've met before this, but the first time we really yeah. had like a meaningful conversation was at that Rockstar event a couple of years ago. And That's you know, right. That's right. I was there early and, uh, you know, I was all nervous about a presentation and here's a, a fellow that came up and, you know, the same vintage that I am in and, and stuff. And we just, it, I just, we just hit it off. We were, you know, for lack of yeah. better terms, we were fast friends as yeah. soon as we met. I had such a genuine respect and such a genuine appreciation about what you do. And you were talking about your business and how you're doing. And since that time, you've just taken it up to a completely new echelon here, Manny. Like you've just started crushing it. So uh, let's put it this way. I'm a fan. Let's put it that way as a starting point. (laughs) Well, well, thanks, Russell. I'm also your fan. So there we go. (laughs) Well, okay. Now that we've got our man crush and our bromance. got that over with. (laughs) Yeah. The bromance is strong here today, everybody. So we're going to get into some details here into your business on what you do. And, you know, I follow you on social media and you're one of the best social media people out there in your own way. You respectfully and you, you're you very um, humble in your nature. You're very Canadian, but holy moly, you're one of the best at the humble brags that I know. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. And when you share your deals and what you're doing, it's just coming from genuineness of guys, here's just what we're doing. I'm just sharing what we're doing. I, you know, that's all it is, is here I am, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we're doing. And by all means, if you're interested, call me up, hit me up. 
right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's take a step back here, Manny. Um, For maybe people, this is a national audience. It's actually an international audience. And, you know, not everybody maybe knows who you are. Maybe if you could just enlighten us with a little bit of the backstory about who you are and primarily how you got into your real estate investing game. Well, that's a long story. I guess we'll go through the short version. (laughs) Um, I got in the real estate game quite a long time ago. I was partnered up with uh, a much older fellow than I was, and we had a renovation business. We actually specialized in computer room construction and design. And we did a lot of that for a lot of big companies, including TD and and Ontario Blue Cross and everything else. I was involved with all that design and construction of all the computer room systems. Back in the day when you had the big-ass computers and you know, the raised floor and all that stuff. Anyway, we moved on for that. We uh, we did a bunch of other projects and we did get involved in, in, in some real estate. And I was basically following my partner's lead as he was, you know, much more experienced than I was. So he sort of taught me a lot of stuff actually about flipping. Long story short, being in the construction business for many, many, many years, I mean, I'm a carpenter by trade. We started doing, you know, besides my buy and holds that I had and doing second suite conversions, and so on and so forth. We started doing a lot of second suite conversions for clients and probably out in the Hamilton area, as you know, is huge for, for second suites. We were probably the biggest uh, construction company out there to doing second suites for clients. Since then, we started to do more and more flips and we got so busy to the point where I no longer do client renovations. And as a matter of fact, I had to shut down my Primo Rental website because the amount of leads coming through there was still. It was, it was still quite a lot. And I still get the calls uh, for people to have me come out and quote their jobs in Hamilton. Like, well, I don't do that anymore. The return on investment didn't make sense. So we were getting very busy having my staff tied up on someone else's project didn't make any sense, especially with the amount of flips that we were doing, because that's what I decided to do when I, when I put my head together and say, which way I'm going to go. I decided to go the flipping route. So we put 120% into creating this flipping business that we have and it's it's been very successful you know very happy with it not only that i enjoy immensely what i do maybe that's the fun part of it um obviously it's for profit it's our business it's our livelihood but i think you gotta love doing what you do to make yourself very successful uh, is my belief anyway and i love doing it to me it's not a job Uh, i'm not getting up and oh my god i gotta get out of seven i'm actually anxious to get out and get on the road and go meet a client or go meet with investors or, you know, try to close deals, so on and so forth. So I love it. It's, it's something that I really love doing. Yeah. Now, when we talked, you were right in that kind of that transition of you were, I remember you were pulling your hair out and, you know, between the two of us, we don't have a lot of follicles left. You're, you're in a much (laughs) different state than I am. I'm catching up. Yeah, but but you were right in that spot where you were in a dilemma about not taking on client work anymore. I remember that conversation very vividly, and I, I think I encouraged you to start doing more of your own deals and start, you know, yeah. pivoting out of doing other people's work. Although it provided sure. a, a wonderful resource to help the team and build the team and get your processes done for your own self, haven't hasn't it? Absolutely, it was uh, it was a bit of a transition and. You know, I felt bad in a way because I got to know a lot of people out in the area and had a lot of friends out there. But at some point in time, I had to make a decision where the best return on investment was. Yep. And that was keeping my staff and my own projects and doing only my own projects. So, you know, as I mentioned, I don't get involved in anybody's project anymore or second suite conversions. It's strictly my own. And 
As a matter of fact, I don't do a lot of second suite conversions anymore, and even in my properties, and and it's been because the return on investment has made any sense, the extra cost of doing it. Because, you know, flipping single-family homes right now, as you know, I mean, with inflation and the prices of, of housing, it's it's crazy. Yeah, It's like the longer you take to do your renovation, the more money your house is worth. Now, we don't know where that's all going to go because, I mean, I, I think this is not sustainable. I mean, at some point in time, it's got to come to a to a bit of a head, or maybe a bit of a slowdown, or maybe it doesn't go up anymore. But as long as they keep printing money, yep. you know we're not going to be out of the situation. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, all right, everybody. So we're back uh, with the magic of technology and editing. We're going to splice a few things together here. So uh, my podcast editing team is going to have fun. We had a little bit of technical snafu with some audio and some video. And as if you're watching this, you can see we're looking a little different, but we got the sound dialed in, haven't we now, Manny? Haven't we? We do. We do have a couple more gray hairs. <laughs> That's right. We had to change computers. And you know what? And I had to reset. This for, you know, we had to pull out all... You know what? My technical experience, Manny, is as follows. Is if, uh, you know, restart your computer doesn't work, I'm out of options. <laughs> yeah. 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 Call a technique. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or call a child that's under 15. <laughs> well, that that too, or even younger these days. <laughs> exactly. All right. We had a good conversation. We started off. We'll do our best to stitch it together and get the, the audio really good from here. Uh, but yeah. one of the things I was just about to ask Manny was, so for perspective of everybody listening and watching, how many flips have you done in the last, uh, let's say, two and a half to three years, my friend? Probably if you go back as far as three years, you're probably looking at, uh, including some I've, I've wholesale, probably 40 to 50 in that neighborhood. 40 to 50. And and that's yeah. in a fairly short period of time within three years. So you're, you know, you're doing almost two a month, give or take in many respects. Oh, oh yeah. And we're, and we're really cranking that up right now. I mean, for instance, right now we're working on eight, eight, eight at the moment <laughs> and still, you know, going out to leads and appointments and trying to buy more. We bought another one. We closed on another one yesterday. I just purchased another one on Monday up in Wasega. Yeah, so we're actually, you know, increasing our volume in what we're doing. Yeah, so that one, what did okay? Let's start there. The one you just recently bought. Why don't you? Mm-hmm. Why don't you share some of the details on that one? And that's is this is as fresh as it gets. Well, that's as fresh as it gets. Yeah, I mean that's the lead that came in. Uh, I guess uh, where are we? We're in today is uh, Thursday. That lead probably that lead came in on Friday. Uh, yeah, it was Friday, I believe it was, because I, I uh, went out Saturday morning uh, to meet with the sellers, you know, really nice people. And again, yep. uh, they know that they can probably get a little bit more in MLS, but they don't want to go through the headaches. They don't want anybody trampling in the property. Uh, they just want a nice, clean deal, get a really fair value for it, which I always try to do. They were happy with the conditions, because when I go in there and, you know, we come up with a number and agreement, we've got a solid deal. I don't have any conditions on my deals, uh, nothing like that. There's no home inspections. It's basically me. I'm the home inspector and the deal maker and and everything else. So it's very, very clean and easy for them. So it's me coming in, you're a deal, pick your closing date, we're done. That's it. Just, you know, get all their information, yep. their lawyers and, and write it up on the same array of paperwork that we use as a as an agent we use, except we cross out the agent sections and it's done. It's it's just a solid deal and away we go. And they were very happy with that. And and it's about building relationships too. You know, you want to get someone to be comfortable with you. And that's one thing they did say to me. They did have a couple of other home sellers, but they said right from the start, they really 
got a good feeling and, you know, I'm sitting in their living room and we're having a nice discussion and talking about their family and everything else. I usually let them do all the talking. I don't like to interrupt. I like to get the story from them. Uh, let them talk as much as they like. And, uh, you know, they'll tell me a little bit of story about why they're selling and, um, you know, and it's relationship building, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and sometimes is, that works and sometimes it doesn't, but yeah. Is this the house here, Manny? No, that's actually a house uh, that we closed <laughs> on yesterday. So I purchased oh, okay. that one about a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a complete different one. And we just got the keys for that one yesterday. Oh, well, look at me, how far behind yeah. am I? It's like, it's like, what day of the week is it? And and yeah. it, or what day of the week? Oh, we're on like property seven, Russ. Come on, keep up here a bit. Yeah, right? I, I probably posted it Monday or Tuesday or maybe even yesterday. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, there, there's a post on there for Wasaga Beach property. Uh, and nice. it's a beautiful property because it backs on the Ottawasaga River. It's three quarters of an acre. So it's a really unique property. Nice. Okay, so let's just get, are you okay if we go just right into the nitty gritty details of, of, of this? Sure. Right from yeah, the absolutely. soup to nuts, if you will. A to Z. Absolutely. Apple, absolutely. Hero, pick any analogy we want. Any fruit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how do you have these people that have houses for sale, how do you have them contact you? Because I imagine you do a lot of marketing. You do a lot of uh, mm-hmm. putting the word out there. You do a lot of that. What is kind of some of your secret sauce to have these houses contact you, Manny? You know, there really is no secret sauce. The secret sauce is how much you want to spend on marketing and how diversified you get in your marketing. And we're pretty diversified in that because I'm doing... The one thing I don't do is I don't do the cash buyer signs all over the place. Just not something I ever really loved, having these signs all over the corners of the street and they get blown over the place and you get bylaw calling you. I do flyers consistently. And we got a really nice professionally made flyer. They go out consistently. I don't even look at them anymore. We, we've got all the postal codes up in Simcoe. Uh, my flyer company automatically every two weeks just shoots out thousands of them to different postal kind of areas. I've got a lot of advertising on Google, uh, Facebook, and I'm on radio up in Simcoe County every day four or five times or six times a day. Okay. So it's a combination of everything. And sometimes I'll get a client and I always try to ask where it came from. They'll say, well, we got your flyer, you know, a month ago. We weren't ready yet. But all of a sudden we heard you on the radio and said, oh, this is really legit. So it's a little bit of everything and it's consistent marketing. Uh, you just, yep. you can't stop because I know I've got people reaching out to me and saying, hey, I've got a limited budget. And then they may reach out and says, well, I spent three grand on flyers, but I didn't get anything. So it doesn't work. Well, it does work. It's about consistency. Yep. You don't know when people are going to be, you know, calling you. So regardless of whether you get leads or not, you got to pump out those advertising dollars because you'll go through a spell. You're not getting many leads. All of a sudden the following day, you got 10 of them. Right. That's just the way it is when, when it comes to marketing. So when it comes to marketing, you're just going to take the words out of my mouth. It's not just any one thing. It's a combination and a body of work of, of everything. Yeah. And consistency. And consistency. So it, it also helps. Doesn't one of your sons, doesn't he own a marketing agency still? That's Darren, correct? He does. Darren owns uh, Sued Social and he's been a tremendous help and obviously in helping me to market. And uh, he's usually on top of things. I like when I get the call. I got one about a week ago. He says, oh, dad, good news. I just increased your ad spend by another two grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's spending your oh. money in many different ways, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. There's no need to check in. He says, don't worry, it'll be worth it. And and it always is. And you know what? He's yeah. uh, he steered me in a lot of directions that I wouldn't even thought of. Radio is another one of them that uh, he says, you got to try radio because no one's doing it. I was like, you know what? I don't know if radio really works, but you know what? We uh, started radio about, and again, it doesn't work right away. You got to be consistent. I did a deal with uh, Rock 95 up here and we started about, I think, 14 months ago. 
but I went into the mindset that we're going to go in and we're going to do this for an entire year. Doesn't matter what we get out of it. We're going to try it for an entire year and eventually start to work. So yeah. you got to be out there. You got to be repetitive. And yes, Darren's been, you know, quite a bit help. And, uh, and then, you know, and then I also got my older son, which is uh, Matt, Matthew, and he's also a tremendous help because he's out there managing all these projects, uh, you know, and watching the team and making sure everything's getting on time and ordering materials. He's getting more involved now actually with seller appointments and leads and, He's actually gotten pretty good at uh, doing comparables and coming up with prices on property. So he's getting ready to do that as well. But he's been busy, you know, managing the, the other side of it. So he's he's trying to balance both right now. Yeah, nice. So it's it's truly a family affair top to bottom. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, so before we leave the marketing, like at anything, it's it's the body of work, it's the consistency, it's the message. Yeah. It's It truly is testing. That's really what marketing it, is, yeah, is just testing is, different yeah. things and see what works. And then, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. Once you find something that works, pour capital, pour money, pour resources 100%. into what works, 100%. and then keep testing the other new things to what's going to work better is really yeah. the way to do it. So if you were to say right now, what, what's working best for you right now of getting leads in oh, the door? You know what? It's, it's hard to tell because I see them coming in from everywhere. Facebook does quite well. And it's about all about follow-up because some people will send in a lead but they don't follow all the way through. They may just leave a phone number and, and an email and you got to try to reach out to these people. Rather than people actually go through the whole process on the website, you know, upload pictures. So, you know, they're really serious. Um, so it's a little bit of everything. I'd say it's really difficult to tell because they're all actually doing their job right? to some point. So they're all working and there, there isn't one that I would say, hey, it's not working that well. Let me pull it out. Uh, they all seem to be, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm quite happy as the way they're working. Nice, nice. So, okay. So you have lots of, you know, and you'll like this analogy here, Manny, because you're you're a fisherman, if you will, and you like your boats. Or, or do you fish? I should ask if you do fish. I know you have a boat. My kids l- l- like fishing a bit. I'm not a big fishing guy. I like having fun in the boat and getting out there and cruising and setting out somewhere and having a barbecue and a drink. That's that's my idea of boating. <laughs> well, I'm inviting myself out for a boat go. ride this summer, by the way. So, you Manny, you don't have an option to say no, by the well, way. <laughs> I, I've already told you any time, my friend. Yeah, well, not only that, but, you know, sorry if I'm going to jump around here a little bit, my friend, but um, talk to me about what's this bad boy doing here, this beautiful Corvette here. Oh, you know what? I'm a Corvette guy. I've always been. I I remember when I was like 10 years old, my mom buying me my first little Corvette model. I'm a big Corvette fanatic. And I've probably had, I'm guessing, I've had at least 25 Corvettes. 25? Yeah, at least. Nice. So so this is the new C8 that I ordered two and a half years ago. Yep. And I finally got it back in May. Yeah, uh, took delivery. I've got a whole six hundred kilometers, and since I picked it up last May, <laughs> well, I can already envision my my butt cheeks in the passenger side there already. Yeah. <laughs> so. it's it's uh, it's just a completely different uh, generation of cars for Corvette because now it's a it's a mid engine vehicle. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're actually quite affordable if you think about it compared to are, other comparable, oh. right? A hundred percent. I to me, I still think it's the best bang for the money. If you're going to buy a, a sports car, I mean, you could spend obviously hundreds of thousands of dollars more. I'd rather spend that on real estate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's real, really good value if if you're into that stuff. Yeah. I am. 
is the real estate funding to buy these these oh, toys? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. A lot of things that we're doing is is because we've got into real estate investing in yeah. some form or another, right? Yeah, and I know you won't go as far as to put some house buying decals or no. wrap on the pro- <laughs> no. it, it, it will, tax tax write offs will yeah. only go so far. Do yeah, not touch ex- the Corvette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I've got three of them, so I don't think I'm able to uh, tax write off any of them. <laughs> well, and if you if you ever want to see some cool pictures when Manny's out in summer and he's driving the cars around, you find you seem to you have isn't there a club out around your area that seem to be have some people with some Corvettes? There's a lot of Corvette clubs. Yeah, I'm, I'm a member of a couple. I mean, I don't get out to them very often, uh, you know, once in a while. But yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, cool clubs around. Nice. Sorry for the digression here of things. But no, okay, so so back to real estate, back to flipping, yes. back to marketing. So we're going to go, so we've talked about marketing as a start lead. So guys, marketing is as simple as generate leads, qualify leads, write offers, close quickly. Now, I'm sorry if I'm, that's oversimplification, but... If you really nope. think about it, it's generate lead, qualify lead, make offers, close quickly. And there's 100%. obviously 700 steps in between there, if you will, but that's as simple as it gets. So we've talked it about is. the generation of leads. Now, what do you do to qualify? So somebody comes in. So do you have every one of your leads go to the same place or are there are multiple places they go and contact you? Where do they go? They all go to the same place. All the leads end up on my uh, Simcoe House Buyers uh, website. Yep. From there, they get filtered out. And from there, uh, we decide which ones are the most pressing because you got to qualify them. Because let's face it, a lot of people on there are just trying to fish and trying to figure out you know, how much money you're going to get. They may not have any intentions in selling. They may just want to be able to sell and save the commissions uh, you know, yep. with a real estate agent. So you really got to qualify them. And you can tell that from, from their notes, from the description of their properties. A lot of them, you know, we have the questions of, you know, do you need to sell fast? And obviously when they say, no, I'm in no hurry, you know that that's not a real pressing lead. I mean, when they when they say, yes, I need to sell as quick as possible, I'm moving. Or, so you got to qualify them. And we answer them in the order that they come in based on, you know, our qualification process, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, just for everybody on the video, as I pulled up Manny's website here, and on the side here is, um, the first of all, it, it's a fantastic website, by the way. It's it's simple. It's simple, but it works, obviously. And yes. compared to a lot of things I've seen, it's very, it's professional compared to a lot of other things that you might find in the marketplace as well. And I think one of the things that might be a success secret that you have is you're tight in your geographic location are you not yes and that's something i chose and that's something we actually discussed about a lot when we started to do this uh, because i know a lot of flippers or even more wholesalers are they're going from one end of canada to the other and i decided i didn't want to do that i decided i don't want to build a team of 15 acquisition managers and i also decided not to chase the small deal <laughs> that's another strategy that we have we don't chase the small deal we're in wholesale, they're, you know, they're doing deals to make five grand, 10 grand. And I just can't be bothered with that. It's not me. It's a great strategy for, for those that work with it and do it well. It's not a good strategy for me, but we decided to concentrate in Simcoe County. Simcoe is quite large. We spend all our advertising in Simcoe County, Uh, you know, and and Simcoe's got great cities, you know, from Barrie to Bradford to Aurelia to Midland, you know, and everywhere in between. So there's plenty up here. So by concentrating in one area, I think that's helping us generate more leads. Yep. And not only that, I like to know the market uh, that I'm working with. 
And I know the market in Simcoe very well where, I mean, I basically will know the ARV of a property even before checking comps because I've gotten to know Simcoe County very well yeah. in the different areas and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's very important to know your market. And as we know, there are always markets within a market, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's that's just a natural thing in real estate. So that's the strategy that I chose was to be very uh, geographical in in where I'm doing my flips. Not only that, it's important to me that our team is within that hour, hour and a half of any of the projects that we're doing. Yep. Uh, and that allows us to do that up in Simcoe County. Oh, absolutely. You, you just absolutely, hang on a sec here. I got some good stuff here for you, by the way. You just, what you just shared there is, you, you just absolutely dropped a bomb here for us, my friend. <laughs> So that that is absolutely and and here's well, the other I hope one. Nobody got hurt. Well, exactly that, and also you're bringing the fire here, my friend. Yeah. Woo, woo, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> so I'm going to just bookend that. Is being a geographic specialist is actually you're now known for the area. People will come to you and they trust you a lot more because you know the area. You're not somebody who's looking here and then all of a sudden next week you're you're trying to wholesale something in Melville, Saskatchewan, and then the week after that you're exactly. trying to do Brooks, Alberta, and then oh lo and behold, look Kimberly, Kimberly, British Columbia has yeah. got something too. And I've had some fun conversations with some wholesalers about some areas that they're trying to flip property, and I go the things that they're doing. And I send them a note and I go, geez, I never realized it was that good of a place or that big anymore. It's like, man, yeah. they honestly don't even know how to spell the town some places. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I digress. I digress. So so you're an expert in your area and I have your, your website pulled up here again. So somebody comes to the website. Mm -hmm. They obviously, uh, geez, I wonder what's the biggest call to action you want them to do on your website here, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> is fill in the address, fill in the phone, fill in the email, get yeah. my fair offer. That is just absolutely yeah. brilliant. Or pick up the telephone, right? Between those exactly. two, I'm sure you're okay with either. Absolutely. Right? Most people probably fill in their address. What happens from there? Does a, a, an email get sent to you and your team? And then what do you do yes. from there? Yes, we automatically get an email and it tells us that we just got a new lead in. Yep. Uh, it actually gives us a quick uh, description of the email, but when you click on the website, now you've got all the details of that lead and there's a section there for you to put all your notes in there. So, you know, when you're going back to follow up, you know exactly what you've said, when you've called and what the conversation was so you don't forget. And then it has different, you know, selections that, uh, you know, it's a current lead or, or something that you got to follow up on or your dead leads. Yeah. Uh, and, and we do follow up on dead leads, believe it or not. I mean, every once in a while, we still go through those dead leads yeah. and, and try to contact people again just to make sure and uh, we always go in and compare MLS with some of the leads we didn't get to see if they actually did uh, list their properties and so on. And if we see yep. there's no listing, uh, we'll try to contact that person again. Hmm. That's one another reason why to be an area expert is that you can actually yes. track the market. You can track things right through where somebody's trying to get in and out and do something. They lost the deal. They moved on. You're doing it for market intelligence and the data to learn that maybe just, you know what, geez, we could have potentially bought that if we raised our price another 20 grand. Exactly. Because exactly. what it sold for, it sold for 60,000 more than what we thought it would have. Holy yeah. macaroni. What's, yeah. what's going on here, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So question I had was, so hit the website, fill in form, somebody triggers the call or mm -hmm. email. Do you have an email sequence or is it a phone call? And do you have a CRM that you use? It has the, uh, the website has an automatic email response. So it's going to, yep. it's going to respond to that person right away. And then we'll probably get another email back from that person, acknowledging they've gotten the response and so on and so forth. And from that email, they'll usually give us a little bit more information. 
you know, on why they're selling the property and when and where. And then we'll follow up with another email asking for a time that we can phone. So usually they'll get back and say, yes, you know, the best time it's going to phone is going to be tonight or tomorrow or after work. And we'll follow up with a phone call. And from that phone call, we'll get a good feel on whether we're on the same page. Is this a seller that's reasonable or is this a seller that's looking for, you know, full market value? And, and usually from that phone call, we'll determine an actual on-site visit. Uh, so when we do that, you know, either myself will go out there or my friend will go out there and, uh, we'll have another discussion, uh, with the client. And a lot of times we'll, uh, we'll present that offer right there. And then we're always prepared to write it up. Yep. Uh, we always got the paperwork ready for us because, uh, you know, when the lead is hot, that's when you got to strike, right? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you, you never, you never know who's behind you, No. but we also try again, like I mentioned, really, really try to get the sellers to be as comfortable as possible with us. Yep. And I think that's really important to have that trust factor in there. Agreed. Do you have a, a CRM database that you kind of track all this stuff in, or how do you track a lot of that ins and outs and data? Well, we track it through the website. Okay. You know, it's not so much a CRM, but we've got it down to a point where it's working quite well. We are in a process of looking to hire a you know, full-time marketing manager and someone to help with all the leads. So we're actually taking less calls and having someone else screen them and up appointments for us because I'm on the road, he's on the road, and uh, we've got other things that we're trying to do, you know, with me trying to always raise capital, obviously, yeah, and with Matt looking after the project. So we're trying to hire another person to do that. Okay. Now, I may be on the skinny branches of asking this question for my own capabilities. Is it a WordPress website and it's all built off of WordPress or do you use something different or... That no, yeah, that web, that's a carrot website actually. Carrot, okay. And carrot is designed strictly for real estate business. It's designed that way, so I'm not the only one using that carrot site. But you customize it to your own personal uh, way you want your website to look. But okay. it has a standard, a standard uh, sort of WordPress type thing. But it is geared up for real estate agents, real estate investors, flippers, wholesalers. Did I hear correctly? It was carrot, like the the vegetable. Exactly. Okay. Exactly good. Okay. Like the vegetable. Okay, good. Uh, and it's a very well-known website. Most of the wholesalers and flippers are using it. Obviously, a lot of them look a little bit different because you're customizing it to your own, the way you want it to look like and, yep. and how you want it to work and, and how you want it to drive leads. Uh, you can customize all that yourself. Nice. Okay, so somebody hits the website from, let's say they call from one of your leads, they hit the website, mm -hmm. they give some information, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. phone gets a buzz, you get a little information, you pick up the telephone and you call the person. Are you making the call? No, we're not. We're calling right away. So, yep. so you get uh, they get on the website. Uh, it goes through. You get the lead. You get an, a, an email notification, and that email notification is basically going to tell you it's, you're going to click on it. It's going to log you into the lead, and you're actually going to read exactly what that person sent out to you. So you're going to get all that information, and from there you're going to decide whether you're going to phone or not. Some of them will leave a phone number. Some of them will say, you know, call me, you know, tonight, or or, or some of them will say, you know, shoot me an email so we can set up a time. So usually what I like to do is got an automated response and then we'll get back to them immediately as well and say, hey, we just got your lead and really interested in your property. I'd like to have a chat with you. Yep. When is a good time to call? I don't like that quick cold calling. I, I, I like to give them a little bit of time, but we'll usually call within that same day. I mean, it's depending on what their criteria information was. I mean, maybe they're going to say, call me right away, but a lot of them say, call me tonight or I work during the day. And yep. we'll send an email out just to ask them what time is best for them that we can actually set a couple of minutes instead of calling and say, oh, I'm in the middle of making dinner. Can you call me back? Uh, we'd rather try to call them when they actually have a couple of minutes to spare 
you know, and have their full concentration, uh, you know, in the discussion with you. Yeah. So, so like everything you do, it's professional and it's respectful and it's um, the details and the follow-up and they keep following up and keep, you know, like you said earlier is sometimes people call you months and months and months after the fact with the opportunity and you're just, you come in with, you know, when you're getting, start your truck, I'm assuming you have a truck too. I would assume yes. that. Yes. Anybody who's been in construction <laughs> definitely has a truck, even though, even though I might get political for a second here is the truck, that right. our, trucks are the bane of society. I thought somebody <laughs> once said or something like that. So the bane of everybody's existence were trucks on the road. Anyways, I digress. So you get the information. You need to know that there's probably a little bit of margin in the deal to be able to get in your truck to go have a conversation with the homeowner, correct? Yeah. How do you determine if there's a deal there? What's some of the criteria you look for? Well, number one, what I try to do is pull the property, see what it is. I mean, we've got all the property details. I can quickly do an evaluation what I think that property is worth today based on the information that they give me. And a lot of times they'll say, yes, we've been here for 15 years. We haven't updated the property yet. It's in great shape. I know it's going to need updates and, and I'll, I'll just ballpark that. I know what the property is worth in its current condition, you know, and I'll try to figure out what the actual, you know, the ARV is going to be. I'm pretty good at that. And that's the key to, you know, being sort of an expert in your geographical area where you're going to have an advantage where you're not spending so much time trying. You, you'll basically know. I can get a call from a certain neighborhood in Barrie and depending on the square footage of the house and what it is, I know exactly what the house is going to be worth. Right. So based on those figures, I will know what to offer you know, on that property. So it's, it, I'd be pretty quick to do that. So depending on what they're asking, a lot of times they're not going to tell you what they want, obviously. Some of them are afraid to tell you what they want because they think it's going to be lower and what you're going to give them. But you you generally want to get a feeling from that seller. Are they serious or are they fishing? And you can tell by having a quick conversation with them how serious they are and, and you know, and how reasonable they are. So, and most of them are are pretty good. You'll be able to tell the difference between the two of them. And that's where you're going to set up, you know, an appointment. The last thing you want to do is go look at a house that they want five hundred thousand for, and it's only worth four hundred thousand. You know, they're just right. uh, yeah. You know, and I would imagine the, the majority of them would fall into that camp. Oh, they are. I mean, I know everybody sees all the deals you buy. It's like, man, you're buying a deal every day, left, right, and center. Well, you, what you don't see is the leads and the actual work that we have to go through to end up with one property. Yep. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of appointments, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. Uh, before we arrive, uh, you yeah. know, at that purchase. So the step that's the, and I tell this to people all the time, especially when it comes to marketing, generating a lead is actually one of the easiest parts. It and, and people easy. go, well, I don't believe you, Russ. I don't believe. No, it's true. To generate a lead is extremely simple. Just pull out your wallet, pull out your credit card, mm-hmm. pay Zuckerberg a few bucks, and you'll get lots yeah. of leads. Easy. Yeah. Having the right lead and qualifying the lead with a good offer is the most important. It's the hardest part of the process is to qualify the lead, to attract the right lead, and then make them a good, um, compelling offer. Absolutely. And the conditions that we use in our deals, we try to make it really helpful to to a seller where we don't care when it closes. Uh, a lot of times I'll leave an option in there and say, hey, if you, if you find a place early, you want to close earlier, just give us two weeks notice. If you want to close earlier, later, just give us two weeks notice. If you want to leave anything behind, go ahead. Don't stress out. Don't worry about getting the bit. Like we do all of that for them. So we try to make it as easy as possible so they're not stressed out. And you're not going to get that, obviously, from a real estate agent. And obviously, this is not the way to go for everybody. It works for for some sellers and not for others. But 
for those that need to get out or don't want to do renovations in their property. And I know we get a lot of flack from people thinking, oh, you're stealing these properties and you're creating all this housing crisis. If they've seen some of the properties that I've purchased where basically are not inhabitable, and what I've actually done is created housing, you know, for a nice family to get into. We had a property that it cost me eight grand and a hazmat team to clean it out because nobody could go in that property. It was that bad. And there were people living in there. You can't sell a property like that on, on MLS. I mean, it should have been condemned. So they don't see those. They only see these properties after we spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars yep. and they look beautiful and, and so yeah. on and so forth. But And by and large, you're actually making a fair market offer to most people. A hundred percent. I mean, if, based on what yeah. the property as is, where is exactly. condition, you're, you're, exactly. you know, if it's as is, where is, is 400,000, you're not coming in with a $275,000 offer. No, no, absolutely not. And where we're creating the value is in the type of work and renovations that we're adding on the property. That That's where we're creating all the value, right? And yeah. some of them take a lot of, I mean, these are not ten or $20,000, uh, you know, lipsticks. Uh, we yeah. spend a lot of money on properties to, to get them to where they're at. Again, there's a big cost in doing that. And especially today with prices or everything. I mean, lumber yesterday again, in the last last week or so has been jumping like crazy. Right. You know, we had this upswing with paying twelve, thirteen dollars for two by fours. They came all the way back down to their three ninety-five and, and yesterday they're back up to eight ninety-nine again. It's yeah. it's crazy. Not only that, and supply chains. I mean, you want windows? I mean, we're waiting upwards of three months to get windows for properties. And the cost of everything is just is just through the roof. So there's a lot involved. It, it's not a well, no, I, I just was had a conversation with uh, one of my clients just recently, this morning actually, and she was telling me that the, the earliest somebody would get them windows was, I think it was 68 days or something ridiculous. That was the earliest of all the yes. ones she talked to, right? Yeah. And couldn't even guarantee that. No, you couldn't. We just had a window install three days ago, and we ordered these windows I think a hundred days ago. I think wow. it was ninety nine days by the time we got them in. Well, so there's a lot of costs involved in your property sitting. You're paying interest. You're paying all these mortgages, and and you can't sell the property because you're waiting on windows. And we're yeah. pretty proactive ordering things. I usually get into a property uh, before the sellers are even out because we always have those two or three visits, and we let them know that listen. In most cases we only show up once because we don't want to come in two or three times and, and bother the sellers. All the key is to make it very low key for them. But we always come in before we close as early as possible to put a plan together ready to property find out what we're going to do what we're going to spend do we need to order windows let's measure them now because that's going to save us two three four weeks or a month and that's really important so if you're waiting to do everything on the day you close you're already behind yep absolutely and you know there are challenges and there are costs are going up and supply chains and all that kind of stuff but manny it's just inflation. It's just inflation. Yes, that's right. <laughs> just inflation. <laughs> Anyways, right. well, we won't yeah. go down that path. <laughs> no, no. That'll be the, the conversation. That's, another that's day. a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so you're now at the homeowners. They've passed a lot of the tests. You maybe have found that there is a, a spread for what you can buy it for to what you can put in for renovations and what you potentially can sell it for. There looks like there's a potential opportunity. You're sitting at the table with the sellers. And um, is that when you, you make an offer on, on the spot at that time, typically? Yes, uh, sometimes. And sometimes uh, we wait for me to get back to the office and further review some numbers uh, to get back to them. But yeah, I've done offers and written up deals the same day. Yeah. You know, 
a lot of times, I'll, you know, I may just shoot a number and say, because I already know what the, the property is worth, to say, hey, you know what, this is, you know, probably, you know, am I probably going back to the offices? Probably what we can do for your property. And some of them say, well, you know, maybe if we can do that, uh, yeah, I'd be happy with that. Well, would you prepare to write a deal right now? And and some of them will say yes, and some of them will say, well, no, give us a day or so to think about it or whatnot. Yep. And I don't like to pressure anybody. Uh, I always put an irrevocable in there and say, you know, by all means, please have your lawyer look at it. I, you know, I encourage them to have their lawyer looking at it because I know there's a lot of flippers and wholesalers that try to set up a deal right away and, you know, you got to sign it now and so on and so forth. And I don't like to do that. Yep. I want to make sure they're comfortable with the terms and, and comfortable with everything that's going on and comfortable with the deposit. I mean, I had, I was at a deal not too long ago up in Aurelia where they had a, I can't remember who it was, I guess a wholesaler, someone I don't know, but I went in there because they wanted a second opinion and they says, well, here's the contract that I sold, signed. I says, well, you've already signed a deal with, well, no, this is conditional. That's why I asked you to come in. I look at the deal and it's, it's not conditional. You've just sold your house. Like there's no conditions in there. Oh, but he told me I had nothing. Not only that, it's a $250 deposit. <laughs> Wow, and I don't do the two hundred, three hundred, five hundred dollar deposits. I mean, I I pay the upwards of fifty thousand uh, dollars on a deal. I know I'm buying it, so there's no reason for me to come in with a hundred dollar deposit. I want it to look yep. serious, just like anybody else in the real estate market trying to buy a deal. You're not going to tie up your house for five hundred bucks, yep. and I don't do that with any of my sellers as well. I, I always have a substantial deposit. So yep. when it goes to their lawyer, I've never had a lawyer come back and say, "Oh, we want more." Uh, we always do what's fair, what we think. Uh, uh, you know, as a buyer coming out to buy a property in MLS, would probably be putting down. Right? Yeah. And we do the same. And what I was about to say was, you actually have a very vested interest in making sure that you're not, you know, pardon the language, screwing people over because you yeah. are focused in that area and your reputation is absolutely, is an asset to you in that area. If you get a bad rep, nobody's going to call you. You're out of business. Well, that's true. And I've gotten to the point in Simcoe where I've gone to places and, and people know me from the radio. Like I've, yep. I could be in Costco and I'm wearing my jacket and it says Simcoe House Buyers. <laughs> I've had people come up to you in my head and say, are you that guy on the radio? So there's a lot of people that actually listen to my ad on the radio. Yeah. Right. So, and, and it's very important for us to be a very reputable company as we are and treat everybody fairly and do the best, uh, you know, that, that we can to make sure everybody's happy in the process. And even a lot of times I always, I always invite myself to say, Hey, when we're ready to list the house or renovations are done, I mean, if, if you want to come back and see what you've done to your property, we'd, we'd love to have you. Yep. Uh, and some of them do come back to, oh, my God, it's such a wonderful place and so glad I've seen it. And, you know, others like, oh, I'm afraid to come back because I'm you know, too much emotionally attached or whatnot. But yeah, we, we try to build a relationship with our sellers. Oh, 100%. And it's good for business because I imagine a lot of them will refer other people to you at the same time. And that doesn't yes. cost any checks to Mark Zuckerberg is a good referral, right? Exactly. <laughs> that That's the best marketing you can have. And we have had that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So you decide you're going to make an offer. You can move quickly. Now we're going to probably talk about your writing, your offer process. I think it's pretty simple. I think you already said that you pretty well come in unconditional if you know what you're going to do. It. Always, always. And where do you come up with the money to be able to come in unconditional? Where where does the funds come from in order to fund the purchases and the renovations from? My funds are all private individuals that I've built relationships over the years or have followed me on social media. I haven't really used any, uh, you know, outside B lenders or any of that because I've always got people reaching out to me saying, hey, I've got some funds. I've got a big line of credit. Can you get it working for me? A hundred percent. Absolutely. 
So it's all the individuals that I've gotten to know or individuals that have followed me on media, gotten to know me. And, you know, we've built a relationship and a trust factor. Uh, and that's where all my money is coming from. And we don't have any promissory notes. All our stuff is all legit, all done through the lawyers. The funds do not touch me or the company. There is no different than, you know, getting funds from the bank. They are all registered mortgages on the property. We have many uh, things in there, all personally guaranteed as well. But they actually have the mortgage on the property. So if we're yep. putting 500K out, they've got 500K on that house. We also have things in there where uh, we're not allowed to refinance that property as long as there's a mortgage held on it, just to make sure the lender is is comfortable. Yep. And we've had a tremendous success with our lenders. And their first question when they get out of it is, is when's my next one? Yeah. Yeah. And typically it's so you don't do it with, you know, there's nothing wrong with promissory notes, but sometimes they're not really worth the paper they're written on. Yeah. No, we want to make them comfortable. So it goes to the lawyer and it's all registered mortgage. Yeah. It's registered mortgage position. So if anything ever happened, the lender has the property. If anything ever happened, the property that we've bought way below market. (laughs) Yes, correct. Right. Correct. So, okay. So, do you mind sharing with what you offer your investors right now? And I imagine it might vary depending on loan to values and stuff like yeah, that. Sure. But what's a typical offering you give to your investors? Um, I got another little technical difficulty, and I'm just going to plug in my laptop. If that's okay. <laughs> a little battery. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just give me a second, Russell. Yeah, no worries. Now, this is called really behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we're behind the scenes. As many of you can tell, we're, Manny's now back, and, and he's almost like, you know, Manny, are you a country music fan? Um, you know what? I like all kinds of music. It depends okay. on what the song is. Yep. Well, we'll we're going to get into your little habit of you being an Elvis impersonator here in a bit. Oh, but... well, I don't know if I'm an Elvis impersonator. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was just about to make the references. We're now like um, being like Reba McIntyre doing many different costume changes while hosting a, yeah. an award show. Yeah. As we can tell, yeah. we're in a, Manny's yeah. in a different room now and we're now plugged in and we're good yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. Okay, so we were just talking about your process, and maybe your offering you have for investors for the private capital? Yeah, so private capital, um, you know, I, I know technically you're not supposed to talk about, you know, return on investment and so on and so forth. Where, well, if you structured as a, as a mortgage, yeah. you 100%. Yeah, exa- that's... Exactly, exactly. I pay 10%. That, that's what I'm paying on the money. And what I do to my investors is I give them percent. It's compounded. Uh, it's sort of amortized annually. And I always guarantee a six-month minimum. So, I mean, there are projects that we're in and out of in three four months. Uh, we've done it many times. They're still going to get paid uh, six months of interest uh, on their money uh, regardless. Obviously, if it goes into month seven and eight, it's 10%. We try not to pass that six-month period. So we're always trying to get these properties done sooner than later because my key is to try to turn, you know, hopefully that investor has been really happy with the return they've made. Uh, since you're not getting anything in the bank, uh, as we all know, and and try to turn that money as many times as possible, you know, so it's possible to turn it uh, three times a year as opposed to two. So you, your return on your investment is going to be a lot higher, obviously, than that 10% if you're going to get back your money in, in four months. Right, right. But that's basically what I'm doing. So you don't offer monthly payments? You do a one payment at the end of six months? Is that typically at the, the end way? Of, at the end of six months. And if we had to do monthly payments, that's not a problem. We, we can literally do that. It's just being that most of my investors, 
we're fine with just, you know what, when the property sells, we'll get paid a lump sum and hopefully we'll just uh, throw that money in another project. Yeah. But if, if we had an investor that said, hey, you know, I've got 500K, but uh, I would like to get paid on a monthly, you know, a monthly just because I need it for my lifestyle, I'd say that's, that's perfectly fine. Okay. So, you know, for just some quick, my sixth grade Saskatchewan education here. So if you're borrowing a half a million bucks at 10%, that's $50,000 payable in six months. And yeah. so in essence, if the person well, does it twice... It's twenty five. So $50,000 is amortized yearly, right? So for 12 months. Okay. Right. So at, at Oh, got six, it. Okay. Yeah. At six months, you're 25000 At three or four months, you're still 25000 because regardless, you're, you're, we're always going to guarantee you a minimum of six months. So if you turn that money twice, yeah. you're going to make fifty grand on it. If you turn that money three times, you're going to make 75000 on it in the year. Okay. Oh, so it's 10% over a 12-month period uh, per year. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Got it. Correct. With with a minimum six-month payout of interest. Minimum six months. So if it lasts seven, eight, nine... You're still going to... It just continues. But if we get out of a project in four months, you're going to get your capital back plus 10% for for six months. So you're still... Which which is going to increase your actual rate. So, I mean, if, if we're out of a project in four months, you may be actually be getting paid 13 to 14% is what the yeah. number actually works up to be. Okay. So if somebody's sitting here and they got a, like a line of credit, and what is lines of credit? Like 3.5% right now? Mm-hmm. So somebody's potentially making 6.5% free margin. Like Correct. the margin, the arbitrage between what they pay for Correct. the funding and what you pay is 6.5%. Yeah. So may, they're making a net 65 off of the bank's money. And that's hmm. that's exactly what most of my lenders are doing. They're just using the lines of credit. Right. Hmm. I bet they're making more off of that than they would off of their cash flow if they owned a piece of real estate for that same amount of money. Oh, wouldn't they oh probably, probably. <laughs> and, and, the oh. Key is to, and the key is to turn it as many, like I would love more to turn people's money every three months. I mean, and, and I mean, that's going to give them one hell of a return. Yeah. Uh, you know, the key is to get in, to get out. I mean, obviously we can't all be out of projects like that, but, I've had projects where we've literally closed and decided, you know what, we're not going to renovate this because we've got so many in a go. Let's just clean it up, throw it back on the market. And we've literally closed, put it back in the market, been out in six weeks. And we had one here in Barrie where we picked up 200K from the day we closed on it to 30 days later, and we literally didn't touch it. And my investor was in and out in six weeks. So he still and got, they got paid, paid six, six months. Six months, correct. Wow. Well, no wonder you have people that are clamoring to want to work with you, my friend. Yeah. Well, you know what? The way inflation is today, I mean, if you don't got your money working for you, and I'm not yep. saying it's just in real estate, but you you better be doing something with it to keep ahead or you're all going to be in trouble. I mean, that, that money's got to keep working for you. I mean, because even their 5.1% that they came out yesterday, we all know that the number is higher than that. Yep. Uh, no. Nope. If, if you really dig deep, it's way higher than 5.1%. Yep. Well, that's, you know, and there's just multiple different ways of doing this. Like I had a conversation with a guy out Toronto who was, you know, arguably speaking, owned a $6 million real estate portfolio. Everybody go, oh, lucky person, lucky, lucky, lucky. And and then we dove behind the curtain a little bit here and he's negative 1300 bucks a month. And that's before any hiccups and farts and and things that go wrong. He's negative 1300 bucks. But it's being made up on the other side of appreciation. I said, that's great, but you need to augment that somehow, right? And he goes, well, I'll just borrow the money out of the portfolio and stuff. I go, well, that's going to make the cash flow worse, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you can't always bank on appreciation when it comes to real estate. I mean, no, you obviously want to, but that's got to be something that 
that's sort of in the back burner. If your real estate yeah. market goes up, it's 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 great and it's and it's a bonus, but that's not the only thing. No, I hear you. So okay, so we went through your capital, how you buy the property. You have a pool of uh, really good qualified private lenders that are ready to offer something. You structure it with the lawyers. Everything is one hundred percent kosher with uh, mortgage positions, and there's all spelled out legal documents. Everything. Hundred percent. Then I imagine from the next step for the process for you guys is where your magic lies is in the renovation process. Then do you get to work? Do you have the team? Like, talk me about what you do yeah. to the houses once you get them. Oh, we do everything. I mean, or we what don't you do is easier yeah, to we, say. Probably, we basically, <laughs> wanted to look like these HGTV homes that you see in shows the new flooring and modern trims and doors and kitchens and bathrooms and you name it. We we update everything. Uh, mind you, some we spend more than others. Some do have a few updates, but. I think it's really important and the key. I mean, we're trying to get to the point where someone walks in the house when we list and they say, I'm buying it. And we've been pretty lucky that knock on wood, I think that's wood anyway. It's something resembling um, wood, <laughs> particle we board. Have, we haven't <laughs> taken any longer than one day to sell one of our houses on, on market. Wow. So we've been very lucky like that. It's always been multiple offers one day. The last one, we just, I just sold one in Aurelia and uh, that sold. It, that one's a crazy one because that sold when the MLS sign hit the lawn and didn't even go on MLS. So that was a little bit different situation, but sold one in North, North Barry that we probably had went on a market on Friday. And by Saturday morning, we had like 42 bookings showed set and we sold it that, that night in multiple offers, but every property of ours has been that way. So we really want that, uh, you know, I love this house factor when they walk in there. Like, we don't want to say, oh my God, why did they do that? And we be very, very neutral on our colors. We don't do any wacky colors. Everything is bright, white, you know, neutral. So it looks, they walk in there, it's, it looks big, it looks clean, it looks fresh. You always use granite tops. And we just want to make it look as beautiful as possible. Not only that, you know, we sometimes get into the nitty gritty bones of the property because the last thing I want to do, one that's not a great product and it's just lipstick on a pig. And we don't do that. So if we find any issues in the house, we're down there getting it done. I mean, we had a yep. house where we found a lot of uh, mouse droppings inside the walls uh, in the base. And we decided to tear everything out, right down to the studs, all the insulation out, everything out, clean and start all over fresh because I don't want anybody having that in their property. So I still, it still reflects on me with, with my company doing that house. And I want everybody to know that, you know, when I've done the renovation of the property, the property that they're buying, they're buying a house that they can be very confident in. The renovations are done properly. Everything is updated as should be and everything is to code. Wow. Like, no joke. Everything you do is top-notch, top-drawer, and really professional. So, all right. And, and we're back again. Segment three. Uh, you know, I think we've we've hit every gremlin possible. It's, it's almost like a, a renovation project, Manny, that everything that can go wrong. Murphy, Murphy yeah. lives on the job site, doesn't he? Yeah. It's just a supply chain issue over the airways. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's no problem. You know what your your materials are stuck in the port down in Florida, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's it's no no problem, right? Yeah, so sure. um, okay. So what we wanted to do here, Manny. So we've let me just recap this quickly. We we've talked about marketing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the qualification process. We've talked about yeah. how you buy it, how you use yeah. private lending. I would bet there's an entire conversation we can even have two-hour conversation just on the whole renovation process and the construction process and doing all the work. But we'll maybe save that for another day, okay? Yeah. 
now you're now in the process of selling it. Do you use realtors to sell your yes. property or do you, okay, yes. perfect. Yes. The same I one don't. that, that you use all the time or do you have multiple? Yes. yes. I use, I use the same one all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Good, good, good for you. Um, I believe everybody should make some money along the way is, you know, yeah. profit. It's not a four letter word. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's important to build those relationships. And I have a great relationship with my realtor. He's not just my realtor, but you know, a really good personal friend and, and fellow musician. So. <laughs> well, bandmates stick together through thick and thin, don't it. they? Yeah. 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 Nice. He, does, he does a great job as well. I mean, it's, He's not just my realtor, but I mean, he's just as excited when we close on the property. He's he's out there and he's also helping me with ideas as well. You know, so I mean, and that's George Nagel, but he does a fantastic job where we sit down and brainstorm. And sometimes you'll come across something that I didn't think of. Uh, mm. right? You know, we should do this. I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Do you, uh, let's say you, in your marketing process, somebody you come across, you know, and obviously I know just your character, if if it's in their best interest to list you know, by all means, you should just probably just go on the MLS and list. Do you do referrals to to your agent as well for your marketing? I'm always upfront with my sellers, and I've yeah. probably lost some deals doing it, but I'd rather do that and make sure that the sellers get in as much as possible for their property. So a lot of them, I tell them, if, if you're not in any hurry to sell, your house is in great condition, I'm probably not going to be able to give you the number you're going to want. So your best bet is to go on MLS and get full value. I mean, unless you need out tomorrow or the house is falling apart, and that's not the case. And you know what? A lot of them really appreciate that. They'll say, wow, I can't believe that you're telling me that. Well, it's the honest truth. I know I'm not going to, I mean, if they just did renovations a year ago, two years ago, like I'm not going to go in there and say, well, I've got to tear the house down unless it's a terrible job. But I try to convince these people. And that's why I ask the questions. Are you in a hurry to sell? Like, why are you selling? And get all that information. So a lot of times, yes, I do a lot of referrals. Yeah, you know, and a lot of them will say, "Yeah, we know someone," but I'll say, "Listen, if you if you don't, I mean, I have someone that uh, could help you out. But if you got your own real estate agent, uh, th- that's fine and fair. But that's probably where your house should go is is on the market, and yep. you're not in any hurry. That's where you're going to get the most money, and yep. that all the time. That's just the right thing to do. A hundred percent of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's certain houses that I know are not going to go on the market. I mean, into a whole hoarder house where they shouldn't even be living there, and it's a uh, uh, you know, it's a hazard to any humans being in there. I mean, of course, uh, that that's yeah. a different story. I imagine you could probably tell some fun stories about the houses oh, that yeah. you've gone to. It's almost like, oh, yeah. you remember, you know the name Ian Zabo? Do you know Ian? Yeah, well, absolutely. I've spoken to Ian. Yeah, Ian's a fantastic guy. He said, when he goes, you know, when you have to take Vicks Vapor Rub or something and you have to put it underneath your nostrils, oh, yeah. he goes, oh. you know you're getting into yeah. a really good house. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I see a lot of the posts of some of these houses, but we did uh, one last summer where we had a hazmat team come out and they said it was the worst house they have ever been to. And I said, that's impossible. He says, no. He says, this is the worst house I've ever been to. Well, it, congratulations. It was pretty, <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad. But I was very excited. But it, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. smell anything but a little bit of money. Yeah, it's a it's a badge of honor to have the worst house and that the hazmat oh, team yeah. has ever seen. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's do a quick um snapshot. Yeah, it's math. It's yeah, it's math time, if you will. So I know you pulled up uh, one of your mm-hmm. most recent projects. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor here in a second to walk us through some of the numbers, what you bought it for, what you renovated for, some of your costs, what you sold it for, and let's see if there's some profit in this game. So this is one that uh, I bought in late. September going in October of last year. So that's what October, like four or four or five months ago. Uh, we recently sold it. It actually closes uh, a week from today, I believe it closes. And and so the numbers on this thing is I purchased it for 530,000. 
uh, and it's in Barrie. My total purchasing costs, including land transfer tax and legal, was just under 12000 It was 11 and change. My selling costs were almost 56000 uh, Obviously, that includes uh, real estate uh, agent fees. Uh, we did an $80,000 renovation uh, on it. My financing costs on that was roughly about 25000 So that's 25 of the 80 or is that 25 on top of 80 that's 25 on top of 80. Okay, another 25. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yep. yeah. we, we uh, recently sold the property for $1.1 million, and our net profit on that actual property is actually $390,770. <laughs> and I imagine, where do you include holding costs, utility costs, property tax? Do you... It's all in here. Actually, I've got my total operating costs of uh, $8,160, and that's the uh, hydro... Uh, gas and property yep. taxes. So that's all accounted for. That's in a different uh, section here, which is what which I have under opera. So I've got purchasing costs, selling costs, operating costs, renovation budget, and financing costs. So after all of those, we came out with a net of three ninety seven seventy. Wow. <laughs> so um, yeah. how many houses did you have to work on of other people's projects to make um, just shy of four hundred thousand oh, dollars, Manny? Oh, oh, a lot. A, a, lot. There's, there's <laughs> a couple no years such, worth. Yeah, there was no. Uh, I mean, you're probably working an entire year to try to make that kind of money. Well, and then some, uh, you know, right? And then some in the renovation business, and even then, with the you know with the high cost of operating, uh, I don't think you'd even do that with what we're doing with second suite conversions. It's a completely different ballgame. Yep. Yeah. Now I imagine. Yeah. You know, guys, I'm going to put a big giant disclaimer is, you know, typical. This is not typical results. Your results will vary. Do not try this at home unless no, you have not. professional professional supervision yeah. and you have a professional on your yes. side. <laughs> the results uh, do vary. And I always say that the profit is in the purchase, obviously, and the market. Let, let's face it. I'm buying properties where they're still going up in value. Now, when I go into a project like this particular project, I didn't go in with a 1.1 ARV. I'm always conserving my ARVs. Yep. Uh, I went in this project with uh, with an ARV of 950. That okay. was my ARV. Right. We ended up getting 1.1, uh, which was great. But I would have been happy if the market hadn't done anything, and I sold it for 950. Uh, yeah, so if I'm it was very, 950, you, know, you still would have made it on my ARVs. 250,000, give or take, right? We would have been, yeah, in in, in around that. But we did quite a bit in this house. Uh, I mean, the renovation budget wasn't huge because it's only a fifteen hundred square foot house, and the house wasn't falling apart. It was dated. Yeah. So we did we did quite well. I mean, there was a lot of structures on the property that were really good with you know heating and air conditioning, which we didn't have to touch. Uh, so so that helps. And and yes, not not every project is the same. That's one. Yeah. So we just sold one in Aurelia that closes next month, and I think our net on that one is two hundred twenty thousand. You know, far from the three ninety, but uh, I'll take two hundred twenty thousand dollars net on a project any day of the week. Yeah. Um, now, do you, as one of um your team? Oh, hang on here. Just I, I, I'm I'm sleeping at the switch here, brother. I got to give some fire here for all that you've been doing. You're bringing some fire here of the of <laughs> that and sharing those numbers. And and anytime we have some fire, right? We obviously. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where there's fire, there's smoke. There's there's fire, there's a bomb coming right after. So <laughs> but I would imagine so let me just back up one step in your process. Your renovation team, is it all in-house or do you kind of outsource a lot of it or do a combination of both? We do a combination of both. We have our own staff, so we've got yeah. our own uh, you know, handyman, you know, l- labor, tradesperson, that but obviously we outsource 
if we're re-drywalling an entire property, we outsource yeah. that to a drywall team that I know, or we don't have our own electricians, of course, yeah. so we, we outsource the electrical, the plumbing, uh, those types of things. But there's a lot that we do ourselves from demo to trim to flooring yeah. to all that stuff. Obviously, everything we outsource, and we got a great team of people that we outsource it to uh, because we always use the same subtrates. So we're obviously giving them quite a bit of work, and yeah. they go out of their way to really do whatever they can to to get our projects done on time and to keep us happy. So yeah. th- that's really important too, because I mean, even though we're outsourcing it, I still consider them as part of the team. Right, absolutely. And obviously with doing some of it in-house and good trades and you do give them mm-hmm. business, the $80,000 renovation number you did, is you're able to do that quite efficiently. Where quite maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah, somebody might be paying for that same 80, they might be paying, you know, 95 to 110 or whatever, right? Absolutely. Because if they're going to outsource all the work that we actually do in in house, there's obviously a cost savings in that because it's my yeah. own trades doing it. And yeah. it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a completely different ballgame. However, there's three in this example, there's $390,000 worth of margin in this example here, too. It's as if you didn't yes, make three ninety yes, and you made course. and you made three forty or three fifty, yeah. that's okay too. Yeah, yeah the bombs would still be going off. <laughs> exactly. I it, it wouldn't be as loud. No. <laughs> loud enough. So uh, uh beers on the boats are on you this summer, my friend, when I come out. Yeah, so. they, they usually are, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's funny, I, I pulled a picture up here, and this is uh, so typical you, my friend, here, is um two two pictures I want to share. Um, let's show this. So obviously the car and put, showed the picture of you in the band. Is is one of these guys your realtor? Uh yeah, he's right back there with the hat. <laughs> Okay, let's just nice. That's my realtor. Yeah. Who's this? Who's this Elvis oh, impersonator yeah. dude here? What's what's going on here? That was Halloween. <laughs> of course, it was that Saturday night at the Cabral yeah, family, I, right? <laughs> I, I actually, I actually used that suit once before, and that was my nephew's wedding where. They wanted me to do an Elvis show, and yep. then I get on there, and I did about ten Elvis tunes wearing suits. So it's all wow. for fun. It's before Elvis got you know big and you know big and oh, out yes, of shape, exactly. right? Yes, yeah. yes, you're the exactly. you're the in shape Elvis. Yeah. But this next <laughs> picture, this is the the picture I found on on your social media that just so typical of you. It's just family, friends, and real estate investors on the boat, all kind of hanging yeah. out together. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that day. That was a great day. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. my friend, uh, let's go, I'm going to slowly wrap this up here. So I got two final questions for you. Mm-hmm. Question number one is if somebody is just getting started on this game of real estate investing and wanting to maybe go down the flipping road that you're, you're sharing here, what would be some of your best advice for somebody who's just getting started on this journey of doing some flipping? I think one of the big keys is know your market. Very, very important. Don't get out into an area where you're not sure of. It's very important to have an invested minded real estate agent that can help you with that when you're when you're looking at a project. Is really know your market so you can really get a grasp on on proper ARVs. And you know what? You don't have to get it perfect. So a big key is to take action. Right? I meet people at investment seminars going around. They're talking about buying something and doing something three years ago, and every time I meet up with them, they still haven't bought anything. Uh, you know, we're waiting for the right time. Well, you can't time the market. I mean, so do your due diligence, do your research, get a team together and, and know your market and take action. Because if you're not going to take action, you're never going to get anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm going to add to this. There's an old saying that used to be as, you know, close as only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yes. I guess close can also yeah. count in horseshoes, yeah. hand grenades, and uh, estimating ARVs, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And as my sign says behind me, you can't deposit excuses. I hear a lot of those. <laughs> well, I've tried. The bank teller looks at me pretty funny as I tried oh, yes, to make an exactly. excuse to them. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, totally awesome. Well, thank you very much, Manny. This has been a fantastic conversation. It's been far too long since we've had a chance to get together. You know, it took a, a global pandemic to keep us apart for a couple of years, but um, uh, let's hope uh, this summer is a little bit different and we can break some bread and get out on the boat and, you know, sit out in I, the sit out the, the sunset. And, and um, I'd love to. Yeah, Just, I look uh, forward to it. Let me know when you're in town and we can do a yep. live broadcast off the boat. How's that? Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? How's tomorrow for you? <laughs> a little cold. Is there ice in the water? Still, a little bit frozen still, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but the day will come. The day yeah. will come. Nice. And uh, that would be neat. I want to end off with one, and this is the question I like to end off most every time, is uh, you, you started down the path a little bit about if somebody just getting started. But what um, inspirational words would you leave for somebody here that's maybe feeling a little bit stuck? Maybe they're they're trying to make a go of it and they just don't know where to turn and they're just feeling stuck and they just need a push in the right direction. What inspirational words would you leave for them? You know what? I mean, as I tell everybody, I mean, I come across a lot of people that, that have every excuse as to why they can't do it or they're not good enough. And I think if you're motivated, you got a dream, like anybody can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter who you are, what background you came from, you know, how much money you have, you can make it happen. You know, I've had uh, people tell me that they can't do something. And, and I had a, a gentleman, actually, who I should know very well, I'm not going to mention any names, but he's doing very well right now. But he kept telling me that he wanted to do all this investing and wanted to buy a, an income property, wanted to do a renovation, and, and the bank was stopping him. And I, I went through his details and said, well, why is the bank stopping you? So I knew the property that he owned. I knew the equity that he had. He all shared that with me. And I said, well, there's only one person stopping you, and that's you. He said, well, no, it's not me because, uh, you know, it's the ba- it's not the bank. He says, well, here's what you do. He says, do you love, are you in love with your house? He says, absolutely not. He says, well, why don't you sell your house since they're not releasing any equity based on your income? Take all that equity, go buy something else, and I got a big chunk of equity to go buy your investment properties. Well, that's a great idea. Well, he has since bought a lot, built a house, and he's on his second investment property all from the sale of his property. So a lot of times when I meet up with them, the first thing he says, Manny, you're right. I was the only one that was stopping me. He says, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, don't yeah. let it stop. And you know what? There's a lot of people to reach out. There's, there's a lot of great people that you can meet out at uh, you know, investment groups and seminars. And I used to go to a ton of them. Uh, and there's a ton of information out there available to you. you know, and reach out. And maybe what, what you can do is partner up first uh, with someone who's already doing it. Uh, yeah. follow them, uh, maybe see what they're doing. I mean, you don't have to in- invent the wheel. I mean, the wheel is already there. It's round. No. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I didn't invent any wheel, right? And, and I learned a lot from, you know, and I'm still learning every day. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still learning stuff every day. No. But, but I, I enjoy doing it. But get out there and just have some confidence in yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Because yeah. anybody can do whatever they want if they put their mind to it and they're focused on it. Listen, when you look at most millionaires that are, you know, that are millionaires today, they can tell you all the stories about how they went bankrupt and, you know, got up again and all of a sudden they're a billionaire now. Well, they didn't give up. So yeah. don't give up. Don't worry about making mistakes. Mistakes are great because once you make a mistake, sometimes it's, it's your greatest uh, learning or, or greatest education that you've had. I make mistakes. 
but I make but I make a point of not making the same mistake twice. Wow. So it's get out there and don't be afraid of making a yeah. Don't give up and don't make the same don't, mistake don't twice. It's it's there. Hmm. Wow. Ooh, ooh, yeah, it's getting absolutely. on here. Ooh, it's getting on here, my brother. <laughs> Whoa, hang on, we got one, one more ball. Oh, Manny, that is incredible. Uh, before we sign off, where can somebody get a hold of you? Yeah. Where do you where do you hang out social? Where's the best place if somebody wanted to give you a call or drop you a note? What's the best place? I post mostly on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, obviously, Facebook is my biggest. Yeah. So you can follow me. I'm, like, I'm on there by my name, Emmanuel Cabral. You, you'll find me. And I usually post everything, I, all my deals. Uh, projects before and after videos. I'm on there every single day, so easy to send me a you know a direct message on there, and I'd be glad to respond to you. Glad to have a chat with you if you want to discuss anything flipping or investment wise or lending. I'd be happy to have that conversation. Yep. Also, uh, you can send me an email to info at simcohousebuyers.ca. Nice, nice, well done, Woo. well done, my friend. So you get some thumbs up and some hearts and some. Applause and fanfare and there you go. I didn't I didn't know I had such a fan base. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well well done, my friend. It was great to see you. It was great to catch up with you. And you know, stay tuned, guys. The next episode will hopefully be from from a boat or from a very fast uh, Corvette car. Not going over yeah. the speed limit, obviously. Never no, never no, no, no. never just driven at uh, 10 kilometers under, right? Yeah, we, we don't break the law over here. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Like everything you do, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, guys, have yourself a wonderful day. This has been a wonderful conversation. If you have any questions, reach out to Manny, reach out to myself. Please share this episode. If it made you think, made you uh, inspired to take some action, you know, key thing for me is, you know, just never give up and never make the same mistake twice. All right, everybody, have yourself a wonderful day. Bye for now. So, what did you think of that episode? Holy moly, I had a good I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know about you, but, you know, one of the things I like to do with this podcast is, number one is I like to have conversations with people who I really like their work and like what they do. But I learn a tremendous amount by having these interviews with people. As a matter of fact, after the conversation I had with Manny, I had three ideas for him and I to have a further deep conversation. And after I recorded it the next day, I called him up and I said, Manny, here's some things I'm, I'm bounce, I want to bounce some ideas. And it was going, holy moly, Russ, that's awesome. Those are some great ideas. We should really flesh that out. So Manny and I are going to be having some deeper conversations about a, a few things upcoming. But mainly one of the things I wanted to learn was I want to learn this for myself. I'm admittedly, I have not been the biggest fan of flipping. I believe in my market, which many of you know is Edmonton, Alberta. For many years, the numbers just didn't make sense. And here's what I mean. Like you could buy, say, a single family home, right? In the let's call it in the low 300s, let's call it three and a quarter. You could sit and put maybe a hundred to 125,000 into it. So you're into it for what, 440, give or take. And uh, that property maybe would be worth 
450, maybe 460. Maybe that's before any contingencies. That's before selling costs. That's before a whole bunch of things. The margins just didn't make sense. They really didn't. But now those same properties are now in like the, the 500s and maybe now five and a quarters, 530s. The market is starting to move. And now finally, the metrics are starting to prove that it is going to be profitable in Edmonton to start doing that. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with Manny was I'm very seriously going to start potentially putting together my flipping business in that market. And um, when I say seriously, it's the wheels are already in motion about doing that. I'm having some strategic conversations with uh, the team, with contractors, with, you know, my business partner, Jay, with the selling arm, with the marketing arm. I'm putting the team and resources together for that. And here's what I want to offer for many of you guys. If you're interested in being involved in maybe a project or two, stay tuned to my channel. I'm going to be sharing a lot more of that. But if any of you are interested in being involved in maybe some ownership opportunities, or maybe a project of your own, or maybe a, a capital lending partner. If you're interested in doing that and to uh, getting into some really good opportunities in Edmonton, which is just coming out of its slumber, my personal opinion, as many of you are probably seeing, you've Funny to note, uh, I, I'm seeing everyone's good. Well, wow, look at Edmonton. It's starting to finally come out of its uh, slumber. Go back to my podcast for probably about a year and a half ago. I wonder who was already calling that. And first of all, congratulations to all the investors that took the advice a year ago about jumping in. Then uh, you had the pick of the litter. You had incredible opportunities, especially the ones that uh, locked in prices over a year ago. And now you're closing on them and taking possession of them. Now you're taking possession with equity built in from day one without ever having to lift a hammer, you know, swing a hammer, I guess is the best way to put it. Lift a saw, do any work, even even for some of you, you didn't even have to travel out to Edmonton and you've already got some built in equity as well. Okay, so long winded way of saying, guys, Edmonton is now starting to show signs that flipping the arbitrage between buy, put some renovations in, and sell is now finally starting to show that the margins are worthwhile to lean into this type of a business opportunity. So if you're interested in getting involved in maybe one of these projects that I'm going to be putting together, let me know. Hit me up. Uh, hello at russellwestcott.com would be a, the, probably the best place and the first place to start. And we can see, uh, have a conversation and open it up to maybe if there's an opportunity or not for you. But the reason I, I say all of that is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Manny was I wanted to learn from some of the people that are doing it full time. I want to learn from some of the best of the best people that are doing it in the market, not only doing it, but do it right. And as you can tell from this interview that Manny and I had, he's doing it right. He's going about it with ethics. He's going about it with a high standard of quality. He's going about very professional on the way he does that. So for you, what was your big key takeaway? To maybe give you a little inspiration that there's a little bit of margin in this flipping game at the moment on a short-term basis on some markets in Canada. Like, don't get me wrong, that case study that Manny shared was, I made the joke on there, there's, you know, typical, you know, these aren't typical results, your results will vary. And, and to be honest, a $1.1 million place is definitely not a rental property. But he showed that he made, what was it? What was the number? $390,000 on a profit on a flip within six months. Yeah, I'll take that, right? Take that one to the bank, if you will. So being a very short 
short-term position for those markets that maybe aren't showing good opportunities for rentals, okay? Or like, for example, in my market in Edmonton, taking a short-term position. And if it doesn't, you don't get the market, you don't get the number you want for the sale, the property will work fantastically as a rental property. So I think it's have your cake and eat it too, if you will. Keep it if you want it, because it's going to cash flow. Sell it, make some money, move on. So the cake and eat it too market. I'm going to coin that phrase. Okay. So what else do you guys get? How about the marketing side of things? How about the acquisition? Maybe you paid a lot of attention how Manny structures its private lending and how he acquires the properties and talking about um, structuring them as loans and how people come in and he offers the 10% with a minimum uh, guarantee of six months. So lots of things in this episode. You will come back to it often. And if you are interested in getting more information or maybe having Manny back as a repeat guest on this, let me know. I'll uh, invite him out. Manny and I are already having some other conversations already about uh, some other potential business opportunities here as well. Okay, gang, I'll leave it there for now. This is a deep one. I hope you enjoyed it. The next upcoming episodes are going to be an awful lot of fun. We're going to have some uh, some researchers that are going to come on and give us some market research. We're going to have um, some people that are experts in commercial properties. We're going to have some experts in, you know, further into private lending arrangements. And stay tuned. You might be, maybe I'll do a few case studies on some projects that we're working on right now. Oh, and, and one other thing too is my, my business partner, Jason, and I, I, I put the bug in his ear as well. It's been far too long since we had Jay on the podcast and Things have changed in the Edmonton market over since we recorded our last episodes about a year ago. And we're high time to do an update for many of you if you're interested in uh, diving headfirst into that opportunity out in Edmonton. Okay, gang, have yourself a wonderful day. And remember, please remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.